0: to Brody Sports Talk. This is episode two. I want to welcome my friend and colleague Travis Conway. He is on with us today. How's it going? Travis? Things are going good, man.
1: It's been a crazy week. Um, that's for sure. Personal life and in sports life. It's just been a hectic, crazy week, but looking forward to being able to talk some sports and kind of go through the day. Get through the, the week, finish this out
0: absolutely. Finishing strong. Um, well, let's let's uh, start with the words bomb of the evening. Uh, going to the NBA to start our first segment tonight. Uh, and the Thunder have traded Russell Westbrook to the Rockets for Chris Paul and first round picks in 2024 and 2026 and rights for pick swaps in 2021 and 2025. This brings the Thunder's trade assets up to a total of eight first round picks from all the people they shipped off. Um, What do you think about it in terms of the Rocket side of things first, Travis? Oh,
1: man. Well, from the Rockets' side of the thing, I mean, they got a huge asset. Um, I think Chris Paul and, and Harden, they clearly weren't getting along. Um, and I think Russ and Harden having that past history together and coming back together now that they're both in their primes, it's huge for the Rockets. Um, I am curious to see if the triple-double streak continues with Russ. Um, there's a lot more assets on the Rockets, and all three of the major categories for the you know triple doubles. From the Thunder side, it's, it's has uh, a Thunder fan. It's a sad to see the end of an era. There's officially none of the original Big Four that we thought was going to take this team to new heights left on the team, and if the Houston Rockets win a championship, all four of those people will have won a championship with another team. And that's, to me, knowing what we had as an OKC Thunder, Thunder fan, is is it's sad. <laughs> it's very sad.
0: Well, I do agree it's sad. I, I mean, Oklahoma City, once they traded Paul George, let's be 100% honest and say that they – we're embracing the rebuild.
1: Yeah,
0: Uh, I I feel like, at least with this, you have an all-star caliber player in Chris Paul, and it possibly brings back a little bit of NBA nostalgia for Oklahoma. Yeah, back in the Hornet days. Yeah, while he's never been a Thunder player, the old uh, New Orleans OKC Hornets back in... Was that the 06 season after Katrina?
1: Uh, I think so. 06, 07. I know I, I was in high school when it happened. Because I remember and, going to high school. And
0: the football football. Football is still doing it. So, I mean, you you have someone that you that pretty much helped bring basketball back. In, well, not back, but basketball into Oklahoma City. And when you're going, you're pretty much going to see the, the new team now at this point. Yeah.
1: I just uh, – it's sad to see everything come to an end as a Thunder fan. I mean, it, it does what I expected everything to do, and it bolsters that strength of the West overall.
0: It certainly does. Certainly does, and it makes sense now with all of the supposed rumors that Miami wasn't wanting to give up pretty much any of the people that I was like, "Yeah, if I'm the Thunder, I want that guy," because we already have some of your first-round picks, so we can't get too much of those. Um, like Tyler Hero or Bam, like I was like, "Yeah, give, bring Tyler Hero over. He's killing the summer league right now." Fresh young, like nineteen-year-old from Kentucky. Yeah. I would have been fine.
1: Yeah, I definitely would. Was definitely looking at that Tyler Hero um, asset. Um, they talked about it on a couple of radio shows that I listened to. Um, I feel like he would have been a required, a requirement if you were going to trade with Miami. Um, plus, it kind of. I liked the Miami pick because I don't want to have to play Russ. Um, I know we're in a rebuilding, so I don't expect a whole, whole lot from our team, but having to play former players is the worst.
0: I will say, in my opinion, probably one of the only bright lights in this is that technically Houston isn't in the division. I know that it feels close sometimes, but with Oklahoma City being in that Northwest division, I use that, I put air quotes around that, or Northwest division, um, th- at least it's less common than a divisional opponent.
1: It's so true, but uh, I, I mean, I know we're not in the same division, but every time we went up against KD, it was a crushing blow, and we it seems like we played them quite a bit. Um, I know, obviously, you don't play them as much as you play as a, a division opponent or a division rival, but still – you want to avoid playing your All-Stars and now the OKC Thunder have to play multiple All-Stars that they've had on their team. Whether it's, you know, Russ or Jeremy Grant with the trade to the Nuggets, that's in division. So I mean that's even worse. You know, Paul George, you know, all these other players that we've seen develop here in OKC are now gonna be well, we have to go up against with a significantly weaker roster at this time.
0: I don't deny that. Well, uh, while we are talking about upsetting things about being a Thunder fan, let's move to the uh, one that started the pain. Uh, Paul George being treated to the Clippers. Oh man. To join why Leonard. I, A three year deal for the Max and the third year is a player option, meaning he can opt out and get, I believe they said thirty-five percent of the Clippers salary cap room per year, which would be basically similar to what Dame did, the four year 196 million. So if he opts out, is still going to get paid and he has you know a SoCal friend out there with him and Paul George. Um, again, let's start with the Clippers. What do you think man. the Clippers are going to be?
1: At the beginning of all this, I, as soon as I heard Paul George going to the Clippers with Kawhi, I was immediately like, man, Clippers are going to be the team to beat. Clippers, Clippers Lakers, uh, I mean, you can't count out the Warriors. They've done it before. Um, it was going to be those three teams. But now with all the other different changes, it could be – I mean, it could be anybody, but it won't be the Thunder. I like, that's kind of how this whole free agency went is now anyone in the West can win except for the Thunder. The Thunder aren't going to win until 2026 when all their draft picks come to fruition, in my opinion. However, with the Clippers, I think what they – do—I obviously Kawhi Leonard is – Um, Got an amazing job opportunity after he leaves the NBA as a recruiter because just a year ago, you know, Paul George said, OKC is home. I'm I'm staying. This is where I'm going to we're going to bring a championship to OKC. I wouldn't rather I'd rather be anywhere but here, like wanted to wanted to be in OKC, which was amazing to me because I never thought a small market like us would be able to pull someone in. To, I want to trade, I won't be happy unless I get a trade. Trade me, trade me, trade me, trade me. Now he's with the Clips. And I think the Clips are, I mean, they're a force to be reckoned with. You know, I've, I know quite a few Lakers fans that at the beginning of the season were like, oh, they're, the, they're just the Clippers. and You know, that's little brother. And now all of a sudden, little brother hit a growth spurt and is now a starting linebacker. Like he's I mean, that's a that's a solid team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You've got two, you know, all defensive MVP caliber players. You may not have to score a bunch of points.
0: Now, I wanna throw this out there to you because I believe when we were talking last week we talked about the Lakers and Nets and who was gonna make the NBA finals first. And I kind of had them both waiting a year into 2020. Do you? And I think you had the Lakers possibly going this year, with of course the Nets delayed due to injury. Does this change anything in your mind? Does this do you like? Do you want to joke, take back your pick from just one week ago? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm I'm
1: going to stand strong because I, I I as a diehard NBA fan, I can't count out. Um. I can't, I can't count out LeBron. Um, Anthony Davis is – I mean, he's Anthony Davis. Coos uh, is starting to look like he's – Coos reminds me of that freshman basketball player that only hung out with seniors. So he was just instantly cool and instantly good. So I feel like he's going to vibe in that third spot. Um, I still can't count him out. I don't know what the – you know – The division's gonna, or the conference is gonna look like overall, because it's just powerhouse after powerhouse. Um, With the whole now Russ with the Houston Rockets thing, that changes it, because the Rockets were right there in it last year, um, and just fell short. I just, I don't know. Um, I don't know if I want to say I'd change it. As much as I'd be interested to, I'd be okay with being wrong. We'll put it that way. Um, I mean, I don't want to change it because I I, got to stick with my gut, but at the same time, there's so many teams that could win the West. The West playoffs are going to be great. You might as well just stop at the West playoffs. Whoever wins the West is the champ. Because at this point, I don't see anyone from the East minus Milwaukee at this point giving anybody a run for their money.
0: So... I am going to take a minute and agree to disagree. I, I don't think that I'm so, I mean, while I kind of get what you're saying about the Lakers, like you'll still stick by what you picked, but it sounded like if you were an investor, you would be uh, diversifying your portfolio. You're not putting all of your stocks in Laker funds. You're kind of spreading it around, spreading the wealth, saying out of OKC, probably Phoenix, Dallas, some of those areas that are not as good but a fair amount of the West can get some investment. Yes. Um, I Because of how tough I think it is to get out of the West, I'm actually going to say the East is going to win another NBA Finals. And I'm going to say it's the Philadelphia 76ers with Al Horford. I think that that was a big pickup that no one's talking about. And I think that they are a head and shoulders above the rest of the East team. Especially with Kawhi out of there. I mean, the Celtics aren't remotely what they were. I I really think the 76ers are the team to beat in the East.
1: I mean, you may be right. I mean, they were young, building for the beginning.
0: And I think that, I mean, while Giannis is good, I don't think that he's going to carry them. I mean I don't want to say they're a regular season team but it's tough to lose that many in a row in the playoffs and for me to still buy you. Yeah absolutely. Um, and th- I feel like they've gotten worse because they lost um, they lost that guy that they traded to the Pacers. I can't think of his name. Right. Um, the great free throw shooter.
1: Yep. Can't off the top of my head, cannot remember his name. Uh,
0: my apologies, Milwaukee fans.
1: <laughs> you're uh, Milwaukee yeah. fans. <laughs> if we're two yeah. Oklahoma boys, I, I, the only reason I know anybody on the Milwaukee team is because of Giannis. Um, I for the life of me can't remember his name, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah.
0: Um. That's what, while we're still talking about the NBA, there's going to be a new change next year where there's the NBA challenge. Uh, Coaches can challenge a play as long as it's not in the final two minutes on like out of bounds, uh, foul call, um, just a couple of weird things that they're letting them challenge. And I know we've talked a little bit about this indirectly, but It sounded more like we're both kind of leaning away. Like we don't want to slow down. We don't want. I mean, that's part of my issue in watching a four-quarter NBA game right now: is fouls, uh, out of bounds, commercial breaks. Like I feel like it's it's not as go, 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 like most other sports.
1: Yeah, I think it's really going to hurt the flow.
0: Challenge? Oh, no. That that sounds bad. Yeah, I'm
1: not a fan. I'm going to be straight up. I'm not a fan. I think it's a, a bad look. Now, don't get me wrong. Is there absolutely atrocious calls that need to be reviewed in the NBA? Absolutely. It's any sport. You know, it's being ran and... You know, regulated by human beings. It's going, that's no game is going to be perfect. I think it's going to kill the flow of the game. Um, Obviously, it can be used in the last two minutes, which, in my opinion, is when most of those atrocious things happen, is in the last two minutes. So you're kind of, I mean, what's the point, in my opinion, if you're, you know, not going to be able to use it in the time that most of those atrocious things happen? I just, I'm not a fan of it. Um, I don't like the idea of it. I think it's going to have to be hardcore regulated on what can be and can't be challenged. They, you know, they just, I don't think, I I think they were honestly looking for a change just to make a change. It seems in my opinion, I just, I just don't get it. Uh, I don't think it fits with the game. Um, I didn't think the replay reviews fit in baseball and it's a significantly slower paced sport. Um, versus, you know, the NBA. I just don't think it – I don't think it'll work. Um, and honestly, I think even if they make the rule after a, while, after a while, I think it'll slowly become dormant. I don't think teams will start to use it as often.
0: Yeah, it will certainly be an interesting thing. Uh, one thing that I do appreciate is you do have to have a timeout in order to use it. So maybe we'll get rid of all the timeouts that coaches have in the last two minutes of the game. Yeah. So if we can get some of those out of the way early, you you can get me at least a little bit more on board. Maybe they'll use a timeout in the third quarter over a foul call or something and have it challenged and lose their timeout. I'm okay with that. Right. I can see that. Um, I did uh, research this. Malcolm Brogden is the name of the guy that I could not. Remember. Oh,
1: yeah, Brogdon. Yeah. I couldn't like, think of his name either. It is
0: not an easy name to say my apologies, Malcolm Brogden.
1: If he's if if he's listening, I will personally apologize. If he just wants to hit me up on Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, if he if he is insulted because he is listening, uh, I will personally write him an apology letter. <laughs> as long as he sends one back with a
0: autograph <laughs> <That's what's laughs> up. Um, so we'll go ahead uh, we're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back to talk about the U.S. Women's National Team and then the NL division races as we are past the all-star break now uh, is absolutely
1: right see you guys in a minute
0: Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Brody Sports Talk. My name is Caleb Walger, and I've got Travis Conway with me. Uh, we just finished wrapping up the NBA talk in the last segment, and now we're moving on to only times you'll hear soccer discussed on the show. Uh, we talked about it a little bit, actually, in our first episode as well. But the U.N.'s women's national team, impressive, impressive, getting the title, They now have won the Women's World Cup four times, more than any other team. Back to back. And they're two win over the Netherlands. Uh, Shout out, Netherlands. You guys were awesome to watch in all of your games. Uh, Miedema is probably going to become the goat of that sport. I can't believe she already has like 60-something international goals and is only 22. That is insane. What are we
1: doing with our lives?
0: I I don't know. Uh, Apparently, my parents should have known what soccer was. Right. And got interested in it. Because I remember running around as a kid and they could have just put a soccer ball in front of me and I could have been practicing. Uh, But that that being said, uh, it was a really intense... Uh, World Cup, uh, the U.S. women had a lot of pressure on them, and I thought they played really well. Um, you have Rapino who, of course, scored a ton, uh, especially down the stretch with her penalty kicks, got the penalty kick in the Women's World Cup final. First ever penalty kick goal in a Women's World Cup final. That is insane. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was only the second time they've ever called a PK in a Women's World Cup mm. final. So, uh, thank you VAR. Uh, you were kind to us, in part because the U.S. women were head and shoulders above everyone else.
1: Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, it, was, it was a dramatic difference.
0: Well, and when you can't push and claw and sneak things because cameras are on your every move it the penalties are going to get called and more often than not i thought var did an excellent job in getting the call right um and also shout out to rose lavelle she was awesome as well she's probably going to become one of the new faces of the team as um I mean, Rapino's 35. This is probably her last go-round with the team. Yep. Carly was on there as one of her last years. Alex Morgan will probably still be playing, but next time she'll be nearing or have her 34th birthday in the tournament as she turned 30 during the middle of this one. Right. After that opening game, I don't know if she was just hurt, but her presence was not the strongest presence. Uh, Rose Lavelle impressed me throughout the tournament. Great ball skills. Um, if you haven't seen the clip of her against England in like the first five minutes, where she literally passed the ball to herself through the defender's legs, it was it was amazing. And you're missing out. Yeah, she's
1: definitely the future of that club. Um, the girls are starting to. I mean, obviously, age. Um, obviously, you couldn't tell this year because they were just dominant the entire time. They never. At, at no point in the tournament were they ever, you know, uh, down. They were never down. They were always up on everybody, and they were usually up on everybody fairly quickly. It was, you know, first five minutes, first eight minutes, things like that. Um, they just – they were dominant. And from the very beginning, I knew they were going to be the front runners. and honestly, it was one of those – it's how do you argue and how do you even – pick someone to beat them because they're just such a dominant team.
0: Yeah, I mean, 26 goals scored, another Women's World Cup record uh, throughout the finals, uh, and only three goals allowed. I mean, that I think tells you everything you need to know. You only give up three goals in the whole tournament and you scored 26. And that could have been more they could have definitely laid it on more, even, like, I know they scored a ton against Thailand, but I feel like they could have scored more in every Absolutely. Game. All right, so we're going to go ahead and transition a little bit from women's soccer. We want to go ahead and talk about Major League Baseball, and we're looking specifically at the divisional leaders to see if they're going to hang on or not. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say who's in first. And who's in second in the division, how many games back they are, and we're going to go ahead and just pick now if they're going to win that division and lock their playoff spot in, or if they're going to falter and lose their playoff spot to someone, or at least not win the division. Um, I'm going to save the best for last with this, so we'll start with the AL East. Right now, the Yankees are 57 and 31. They Rays are actually in second right now at six and a half games back. Do you think they will hang on or are the Yankees going to give it up?
1: I think uh, this is this was one of the harder divisions to figure out, in my opinion. Um, I actually don't think – I don't think the Yankees will hang on, in my opinion, but I don't think the Rays are going to be who take them down. Um Going with the I, I think Boston is going gonna, is gonna to play a better, better second half of baseball. Um, I mean, they didn't have a bad second half of baseball. They were, they're just over 500. Um, but I think they're like 49 and 41 or something like that. Um, I just – I and it may be biased because I don't like the Yankees, but I just don't see them holding on
0: um, at all. I will be completely honest and say that I don't like the Yankees either. But if I have to pick someone, I think they're going to hang on. Okay. I don't see them giving up that much ground, especially as they're able to do things like pound against horrible teams like the Orioles in their own division. I they're, they're, you know, just don't see enough regular season games for them to lose. I don't know that they're going to be the best playoff team. They don't have the best pitching, in my opinion, right now. But they're scoring. They're performing well. I mean, even if you think Boston's going to catch them, that's nine games. I know it's the all-star break, but nine games is a lot of games. Yeah. So I'll, I'll stick with the Yankees for now. All right, so we
1: move over to the AL Central is what I think we're going to go with next. And we got the Twins at 56 and 33, and the Indians are back.
0: All right, welcome back. Sorry we had a little technical difficulties there. Uh, But we are getting ready to look at the AL Central. Uh, Travis, you were given the records.
1: Yeah, uh, right now the Twins are sitting at fifty six and thirty three, with the Indians five games, five and a half games back. I, um, my personal take on this one, is I, I the, the Indians were solid last year, but the Twins are looking insane. Um, they're playing insane ball right now. Um, they're, I mean, their RA is is decently low. Um, I just I don't see uh, the Indians being able to pull any closer um, sorry about your also your White Sox you know I don't see them pulling any closer either
0: hashtag White Sox give the White Sox some love on the broadcast they are close to five hundred, forty-two and 44 the all-star break uh, but yes I am also going to be picking the twins it is I think a team that most people don't know, I can't even sit here and tell you much of anything about them, but that that run differential of 116, that is the type of thing that the sports nerd in me really likes to see. Uh, let's move over to the AL West. We've got Houston at 57 and 33. And the next one back from them is just who we all expected the Oakland athletics. Yeah. at 50 and 41, seven and a half games back. I, of course, say that because no one expected Oakland, in my opinion.
1: Um, yeah, no, I did not expect Oakland to be in battle. The last time I saw a good, uh, good, uh, athletics team was. Uh, when I played for my Little League team that were called the Edmund Athletics, uh, yeah, that was the last time I saw that. I, I
0: thought you were going to say when you watched the movie. Michael, no, well, that, but, uh...
1: um, I don't um, – as for the West, uh, similar. Um, I don't see Oakland Oakland taking that move. Uh, I think the Strohs, they run away with the division, in my opinion, at this point. Um, to be completely honest, I think the Rangers have a better chance of even giving – Houston a battle than the Oakland Athletics, but that may just be past year biased. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, I'm giving it to the Astros as well. I don't think that it's it's much of a contest. They have developed that team. If I was looking at this next year at the midway point, I'd probably say the Astros are likely to win next. Year.
1: Yeah,
0: like they just have depth. they have good guys in their roster. Uh, they've got playoff experience. They know what it takes to win in the regular season. They're they're getting the job done.
1: Absolutely. So I'm guessing you're wanting to end with the, you can end with the first one. <laughs> yeah. So so I mean we can move over to what we have n- next is uh, looks like the East the NL East. Um, braves in a 54 and 37 nationals six games back um honestly i'm I'm shocked to see where that's at currently um i expected the nationals to be a little bit more involved um it's nice to see the braves kind of taking that division kind of brings me back to my childhood with the chipper jones era um Similar to the other ones, I just don't see Washington pulling it through um, at this point in this season. I just, they're the run differential with with the Nationals. It's I think only like twenty nine versus you know the Braves who are sitting at you know close to seventy. I I just I don't I don't see it happening. Um, Similar to the other divisions we've talked about. Um especially like with the AL. I think there's enough teams at the bottom of that division and the conference overall that you can spank around to keep that lead.
0: I would tend to agree. I I don't see anyone really overtaking the Braves. Um you got, you know, people like Ronald Lacuna, you have got Nick Marquecas for depth. you have got Austin Riley, the young kid. Uh, Freddie Freeman, you know, Dallas Keuchel joining that staff midway through the year is a brutal addition, but he also got added in really late. In general, I kind of just look at this division and go, Philadelphia, this was yours. What the heck? And I also kind of look at the Andrew McCutcheon injury and think of how much that changed that division. Yeah. Um, let's go west.
1: Oh, why do we have to go and the west? 10. That's the worst division.
0: Well, let's just quickly uh, wrap that one up. Dodgers are sixty and 32. Nobody's catching the them. Arizona Backs Dodgers- <laughs> are 13 and a half teams.
1: Yeah, no way. There's just no way that anyone is catching them. And any sorts of anybody from that division, um, that is the Dodgers division to to lose. It's not going to happen um, when you're 13 and a half games up on the second team. Um, that's proof that you're a pretty solid team. If I remember correctly, don't the Dodgers have the best record in the in the league at this point? Yes.
0: Um actually, Sixty and thirty-two. No one else even has sixty wins. Fifty-seven is the next highest yeah. win. I just, yeah. I
1: think the Dodgers. This is your their year, um, unless you know the playoff monster gets them. Um, they're just. I mean, they're they're killing it. Uh, their bullpens killing it. Their batting's killing it. It's just overall, just they're just dominant. And as a Giants fan, it crushes me to say that. Well.
0: If any good news is coming they are starting their next series in Boston and since you have the Boston Red Sox taking off maybe they can take off a little bit against the Dodgers to start the second half as a
1: gi- well I'm a Giants and a Rockies fan and I would be totally okay with that Anybody but the Dodgers in my opinion unfortunately games got a recognize game um, the Dodgers are just killing it this year
0: and that takes us to our final division, the like I said, the close division. Yeah, this is the closest uh, division. Baseball. Tied, forty-seven and forty-three. They are a half game up on Milwaukee at forty-seven and forty-four. Two games up on St. Louis. Two and a half games up on Pittsburgh, and four and a half games up on Cincinnati. Yeah. This, my friends, is what we call a race that is not going to be ending anytime soon. Yeah. Literally, I think. Cincinnati at four and a half back in the last in the division is literally closer than every other division race for first and second one. Yeah.
1: Now this division, while it's super close, if you look at, you know, I'm a big statistics baseball nerd. If you look at run differentials, um, for these teams, while that's super close, um, some of these teams shouldn't have the record they do. Um, for example, Milwaukee, um, They actually have more runs against than runs for. Um, So in my opinion, they shouldn't have as many wins as they do. Um, But, you know, they fought close games, basically, is what that means. Um, Same with uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh's got more runs against. um, And St. Louis, I think they run differentials, too. It's just very close. The only team that's even got really a gap, on the run differential is the Cubs and Cincinnati. Cincinnati's in the 20s, um, while Chicago's got, like, 55. Um, while it is close, I don't see anyone taking it. Um, I think Chicago's going to hold strong.
0: Well, we may have just from Milwaukee earlier. I am willing to say that the Cubs are not going to hang on to the game. And I think I'm just playing the field at this point. I know... In general, the Brewers, with Christian Yelich, I think that, especially with some of that postseason experience they got last year, I think that they're going to be able to finish out strong. I think the Cardinals are always in for a fight. I think but, I'd be going with the Brewers at this point.
1: Oh, you're going to take the Brewers to step up, even, even though they've got a run division that, or a run differential that's in the negatives.
0: I didn't say that it was a smart pick. <laughs> I said it was what I was picking. I, if anything, Yellich being the best player in baseball, in my opinion, probably he has to carry. You, you
1: would pick Yelich over Trout. As the best player
0: at this moment, yes, Trout has been better for longer. I,
1: I okay. I can see your. I can see your argument there.
0: Apologies to Mike Trout if he's listening.
1: <laughs> again, if he's listening, if he sends me his signature, I'll apologize. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna go ahead and head to the break and. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit of college football, looking into the ACC. Again, this is Brody Sports Talk, and we'll be right back. Back to Brody Sports Talk, and here we're jumping straight into some ACC college football talk. How excited are you to hear that college football is coming back soon?
1: Oh, man, I've been waiting all year for it. Uh, I mean, this is my one of my top two sports. Um, I love every aspect of it except for Alabama.
0: <laughs> Speaking of Alabama, uh, is anyone in the ACC going to challenge Clemson this year?
1: Absolutely not. I mean, if, if, you, if you were forcing me to pick somebody, um, I'd probably go with Vautech. But no, I don't think anyone in the ACC is even going to give uh, Clemson any kind of run for their money. Um, except for, you know, Vatech, Unless there's a, a dark horse, which I, I think ACC's got a couple. Um, I have one in mind, which we'll discuss in a minute. But I I don't at this point. If you were to look on paper, I don't think anyone's beaten Clemson.
0: Uh, gonna give a little bit of a th- throwback response here to towards our last segment as well, but I'm gonna respond Bryce Harperly with "That's a clown question, bro." <laughs> um, no, no one's challenging Clemson in the ACC. If Clemson is not thirteen and zero, it is because they had that one random game where they lost to like four and eight Wake Forest. Everyone's like, "What the heck, Clemson? How the heck did you blow that one?" But. Well, that That's what they even so I have them in the college football playoff. They're going to be either 12 and one and or 13 and zero heading into the postseason, and they will be in the playoff again. I would agree. With that being said, who is your under the radar contender in the ACC?
1: Um, surprisingly, this is gonna sound weird. Um, you know, new coach and everything, but I'm going to go with Miami. You know, I think who they've got at the helm now made the current defense that Miami's got into what they've got. Um, you know, the turnover chain. Uh, they've got the swagger. I think Diaz is going to be able to do something with them. I don't think their last coach knew what to do. Um, I'll be honest.
0: That's fair. That's very fair. While I was thinking about the U as well, I'm going to go ahead and just throw a different one out there just to give a little bit of a different opinion. Um, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the Virginia Cavaliers. Um, It feels really odd to say because they're Virginia, but... They've gotten Bronco Mendenhall out there. They've been turning around. They went 85 last year. They've got quarterback that's returning. Senior quarterback, he had 34 total touchdowns last year. In college football, you give me a good coach, you give me a quarterback. I'm going to see what's going to happen. And Virginia is the team that checks both of those boxes right now. I can see it. All right. Sorry for some technical difficulties there. Uh, we were just going to transition towards some NFL draft talk and talk about the best draft prospects in the ACC. Um, do you want to go ahead and take one of these to start with, Brody?
1: Um, I actually had two in mind. Um, one, because of my dark horse in Miami. Um, I'm picking Trojan Bandy. Um, you know, he's a, he's a cornerback for Miami. I think he's going to be. A force. Um, I think he's going to be wearing that turnover chain a few, a few different times, and then uh, I've actually got T. Higgins out of Clemson. Um, he's got Higgins is going to be um, definitely someone to be watching, and I think he's going to be even if he if he doesn't win it, he's going to be in battle for the Blitnickoff.
0: That's fair. That's fair. No arguments from me on that one. Uh, I have a couple of uh, different ones that I looked up. Of course, uh, I'm going to go ahead and start on the defensive side of the ball. We all know Clemson is stacked. There's Isaiah Simmons. Uh, When I was looking up some mock drafts, he was consistently going in the first round, either at safety or linebacker. He's just flying to the ball, getting tackles great size. Someone's going to want him. They're going to figure out where to put him. Also, on defense, there is Bryce Hall from my uh, Dark Horse in Virginia. He led the ACC in pass breaks up last season. He's got good size. He probably would have been a first rounder last year, but he returned. I think he's got a good chance of being someone who we hear on Thursday night of the draft in 2020. Um, this last one is also someone who I think we could hear Thursday night. I, I always struggle saying his last name. He shares the name with you, Travis Etienne is how I believe it is. That, the running back from um, he was disgusting last year. He had Of touchdowns, granted, he's going to because he's in Clemson's offense, (laughs) but that that doesn't mean that you're automatically going to score. Yeah, you got to still earn it, but (laughs) he still scores 510, 215, and then you're going to give me like. A total of thirty-seven rushing touchdowns in his career as a freshman and sophomore at Clemson. That's he's he's got this. He's he's probably I would say Trevor Lawrence if he was available, but until then, Travis Etienne is the guy to watch coming out this coming. Yeah,
1: next year we'll talk about if Trevor Lawrence.
0: Like oh, absolutely. This is the we the Trevor Lawrence segment. of the Yeah, absolutely. Internet, AKA Sunshine. Yep. Um, all right. Well, folks, we're going to go ahead and head to our last break, and then we're going to break down the NFC West. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back. We've got just a little bit more to cover today. We're looking at the NFC West. And let's go ahead and jump right in. With your rookie watch, Travis.
1: So um, I have three, um, but I I thought about it a little bit more, and honestly, I think every each team has a rookie you need to watch. Obviously, you got the hype around Kyler Murray. Will his stature affect him in any way? Got um, you know, but I, I the one I'm really interested in is actually DK Metcalf. Um, the dude didn't have the in the world in college but was an absolute draft beast combine beast he killed everything so I'm kind of curious if that will translate into a program um, so those are those are my main two um, I don't know if you agree with them or not
0: I, I agree with them a ton I actually have DK Metcalf high on my list as far as players to watch in part because Russell Wilson came out this off season and said that he picked up the offense quickly. And I was like, I thought people didn't want him because he wasn't picking stuff up. Now you're going to tell me he's a combine freak and he's picking up the offense. Yeah. That's going to be a guy I want to watch.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. But I mean, you've also got people like Darnell Henderson, who while he is going to be behind Gurley, um, Gurley's no guarantee with that knee. I mean, there's just no telling. It could be the first game and he'd be down with that knee injury. And I think that's what could potentially kill that juggernaut of a team.
0: Well, just to transition here real fast. We are going to talk about the best running back in the conference because, uh, while well, maybe not everyone gives running back some love, we give them here on the Brody Sports Talk. Uh, Travis, who do you have as the best running back in that division?
1: I mean, the the, the league, that division has so many. Um, I had to go personally. I had to go with Gurley um, because I think of it from a fantasy aspect. Um, so I go with Gurley, um, but I mean. Like I said, there's so many that could be just total beasts with David Johnson and everybody.
0: Yeah, I actually was going to go ahead and, well, while I think Gurley is fantastic, I'm I'm a little bit worried about his usage the last couple of years. I I think I'm going to go with David Johnson, actually, as the top running back in the division. Uh, you know, and I feel bad because I'm leaving out Chris Carson, Rashard Penny, uh, you know, Tevin Coleman's new to the division. Matt Breida was good last year. They still have Jarek McKinnon. Like there is a lot of running backs in that. Absolutely. Division. But I think that if you're picking someone other than Johnson or Gurley, you should be pointing back to Johnson. Right. I, I get completely where you're coming from with him. He can do it all. I, I feel like I maybe I'm just excited about the Cardinals this year offensively and seeing how David Johnson can be used in a total Cliff Kingsbury offense. Absolutely. Uh, next up, we have, so normally it's just a defensive MVP segment, but we can't have a defensive MVP segment where we're talking about Aaron Donald, because it would totally just be Aaron Donald. So we basically are getting the, who is the, the, the runner-up defensive MVP in the NFC West?
1: I'm actually picking a rookie. Give me Nick Bosa. I think the dude's going to translate fantastic to the NFL game. I think he's going to be a killer edge, uh, as long if he can, you know, if he can compete with those offensive lines. I think he's just going to crush it. Um, so I would say I'd give Nick Bosa, you know, the rookie defensive player, um, and even I think he'd even give an, give Aaron Donald a run for his money.
0: So I can't. I can't fault you for pass rush. I know how much you love the pass rush.
1: Absolutely. It's the best part of defense.
0: Um, I'm going to go with the, the heart and soul of the Seattle Seahawks defense. He's been there for I feel like 400 years. Bobby Wagner. Okay. I I I don't like Seattle. I don't like picking people or things from Seattle, (laughs) but I mean, I feel like all that guy has done since he got into the league is tackle the heck out of people. (laughs) And that's that's what he needs to do again.
1: And again. Um,
0: And again. (laughs) And when I'm looking at his stats and see things like the least amount of tackles he's had in one year was a year where he missed 5 games and he had 104 tackles right like <laughs> just just keep bob like if he's not doing well the Seahawks are going to be bad I mean I... the fact that they were somewhat decent is because Wagner and he's got good linebackers with him in the middle he's got K.J. Wright still. It's not like he doesn't have a good support. The Legion of Boom is gone. Bobby Wagner is who you've
1: got. I mean, I can't fault you there. That's for sure.
0: And now, probably one of my favorite segments is our quarterback rankings where we flip the order and rank the quarterbacks fourth to her.
1: All right. So with my rankings, only because he's unproven himself in the NFL ranks, I put Murray at four. Not to, I. This could be completely different and totally backwards next year. Um, I think there's going to be a learning curve for him in the pros, um, especially with a new coach. Uh, I think the, their, their fit is really great together, and I think they can do amazing things in the next few years. I don't think he's going to be the rookie sensation quarterbacks that we've seen the last few years. Um, and then coming in at third, I've got Garoppolo. Um, I honestly, I don't know enough about Garoppolo to really give him a solid ranking, but the top two, I feel like are a step above everybody. Um, and they're kind of really competing with each other. And that's Wilson and Goff. Um, I actually have Goff at two and Wilson at one. Um, I think experience comes into play in that uh, situation.
0: Looking at your list, I actually don't disagree at all. I do agree that, you know, Garoppolo and Murray are probably closer together. I probably have Wilson with a higher gap over Goff. Um, in my opinion, Wilson is probably a – if he's not top ten, or if he's not top five, he's top Absolutely. 10. He's there as a quarterback that I – Respect immensely, in part because of how he has thrashed my Packers, which Um, I'm okay with. I also, yeah, I know you're okay with that. He's also, I remember seeing him do it at Wisconsin. He's a good dude. I, you know, I follow him on Twitter and see him posting like Bible verses every day on there. And, you know, when he went and Got paid. He went and bought his online line. I believe he bought some shares in Apple. Like no one's complaining right. about
1: that. <laughs> I mean that that uh, well, that brings us into what we think overall our season predictions are. Um, and to be honest, uh, my season predictions almost map exactly with the QB rankings. The only difference is I've got the Rams over the Seahawks. I think it's going to finish almost exactly like last year. Um, I think the Rams and the Seahawks are going to battle it out at the top while the 49ers and the Cards play around in the basement.
0: Um, so you've got it, Cardinals 4, 49ers 3. Seahawks 2. Seahawks two, Rams 1. Rams yep. 1. I I have a tough time knowing for sure. I I think in general. I I don't know if I just don't trust what's happening in San Francisco yet, but I, I do have Arizona still in four. I think there's just too much on that team that need to be rebuilt. Uh, San Francisco at three. I mean. I agree with the right spot. If you look at last
1: year, both of those teams won won, one. San Francisco won four games. Arizona won three games. So, I mean, it's not saying a whole lot. If you have them at the bottom still.
0: Yeah. There's. I, I think I'm believing that with all of the coaches that people are trying to get people like Sean McVay, like losing, your quarterback coach, who was basically your, because you don't have an offensive coordinator, your second offensive playmaker to be the head coach of the Bengals. Um, I didn't feel like the defense was as good as it could have been last year. I, I'm going to say that I think Seattle actually overthrows them. this year. Okay. I don't have a lot of good logical reasons, but I think you, you put Russell Wilson there. You put solid running backs behind him with Chris Carson, Rashad Penny. You give me solid linebackers. And let's be honest, no one knew who the Legion of Boom was before Pete Carroll got there and made that. Defense. Absolutely. Yeah, there may not be the names. I, I don't know most people in that secondary right now.
1: You will at the end of this year
0: but I think that we will. I think they're going to step it up. So with that being said, that is it for today with Brody Sports Talk. Thank you for listening to myself, Caleb Walgren, and Travis Conaway. And uh, have, have a good day. night, guys. Bye.